0: Hello, this is dr bob perkins doing a another podcast of tmj and more and under the under the heading tmj and more uh anyone who's listening to this podcast knows that sleep apnea fits in in there we talk a lot about sleep apnea and how it's related in many in many cases with tmj and the same same conditions that bring about TMJ can also and often also bring about sleep apnea. So today I thought I'd do a podcast after observing observing the passing of a comedian actor named Bob Saget, who died oh a couple weeks ago now. And I, I paid attention to his death. I kind of followed up with it a little bit. And he was 65, otherwise in good health, no, no medical conditions that were disclosed. 65, and he died in his sleep in a hotel room. They found him you know unresponsive passed away uh during sleep and it made me think it made me kind of connect some dots and and pull some data together and i i first off want to say that i have no idea of the facts the specifics, really, or I—I I don't. I'm not equipped to to say I know at all about how you know what the, what the actual cause of Bob Saget's death is. So this is purely conjecture on my part, based on based on uh, on a lot of uh, historical perspective and and observing observing these types of deaths over over. Years, so I want to say that I'm just posing a possible uh, cause of death. But there have been so many deaths over the course of time, and I'll give you some examples of people where people just die in their sleep. They're not they're not exceedingly the old. Bob Saget was 65. They're, um, they're certainly not, no one would expect that they would die of natural causes. They're not 88 or 84 or 91. And yet they, they don't wake up after, after going to sleep. Now, there's something unusual, or I'm an opposer, there's something unusual about dying when you're, of a heart, basically a heart attack, your heart stops beating. I mean, that's what, that's what happens in these deaths. The heart stops beating, right? I mean, that's what happens was in all death, but these people, basically, they say they end up, you know, natural causes. Their heart stopped. Their heart, it wasn't something else. I mean, their heart stopped beating. And they essentially had some form of heart attack, right? Well, if you're going to have a heart attack, the least, without a doubt, the least likely place in time you're gonna have a heart attack is when you are sleeping I mean that's all you know there's no there's no strain on the heart well all things being equal there's no strain on the heart at that time you're in almost a hibernation state there's no there's no taxation on the heart there shouldn't be it's not like you're out exerting yourself or in the middle of activity. You are essentially in almost a cryogenic state. I'm not saying that literally, but you know everything, all all things should be low: blood pressure, heart rate. The heart is under is typically in a rest state. It's in a it's in a replenishing state, right? If somebody's going to die of a heart attack, it's going to be on the dance floor. It's going to be out working out, typically. I mean, you know, obviously, these things are all um, based on averages. But when a guy like Bob Saget does a big night of comedy, this is what I I think he did. Comedy the night, the night of, or the night before, out on a stage, and he's fine. And then he, you know goes and has dinner and he's fine, and then he goes to bed and he dies in his sleep, it's just, it's not like just another time of the day. It's the time of the day when a person should be least likely to have a heart attack, except for, except for, except for when? Well, all things being equal, it's the, it's the time when you should be definitely the least likely to have a heart attack. But let's take a look at some, some situations where it's the, by far, by far, the most likely time you're going to have a heart attack. By far. And that's when and if you have obstructive sleep apnea. Then sleep is the time, you're the riskiest time for you. Now, again, I'm not saying Bob Saget. I'm not saying sleep apnea contributed to... Bob Saget's death, but I, I'm saying it's, it's something to definitely consider. Especially when we have the, I'm gonna call it the outrageous statistic in this country that 80% of people with sleep apnea go undiagnosed. They go to their doctor, they get a physical, they come out and no one ever screen them for sleep apnea, which is incredibly common, 20% of males. And nobody nobody screens them. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how that. I don't know what could be more um, startling than that in, in two thousand twenty two. So I'll give you a couple of st- uh, quick examples. Justice Antonin Scalia, Supreme Court Justice, United States, in his seventies. He was he was one of the lucky ones. He was diagnosed with sleep apnea, and he went on a Trip to Texas. This was like 2016, I think. He was he was the sitting chief justice. He was given what's called a CPAP machine, which is a treatment for sleep apnea, and it's a way to it's a way to treat sleep apnea. So now, if anyone, if there's people that don't listen to this show, sleep apnea is where your airway closes off at night. Your soft tissue, your palate, your your throat tissues, your tongue will block your airway. So you basically get, you're choking out, you're suffocating, okay? So a CPAP machine is a device that it's like a, it blows air into your airway and it keeps that airway open, okay? And it's, it's pretty darn effective in, in, in the high percentage of cases. Justice Scalia was was prescribed one of these. And he brought it with him to Texas. Okay. And he was found dead in his bed. In the covers. And his CPAP machine was next to his bed, but it was unplugged. And he wasn't using it. He skipped. Now, I don't expect the medical community to, even though the link, the link has definitely been made between... Scalia's death and sleep apnea. But a a community, a medical community that doesn't diagnose, doesn't screen for sleep apnea to begin with 80% of the time. I don't expect them to be the ones to to bring light to this, even though this connection has been made. But there's no question that, I mean, I don't want to say no question, but I, I can't even imagine that sleep apnea didn't play a, a very strong role in his death, if not if not the, the determinant role. Reggie White, Hall of Fame football player, Green Bay Packers, same exact scenario, diagnosed with sleep apnea. He was prescribed a CPAP machine. I think he was in his 40s. He was found... Dead in his bed, the CPAP machine again next to his bed, unplugged or unused. In the case of Scalia, I I read it was unplugged. So, yes, people did say that you know his his family started a a, uh, a Reggie White sleep disorder. Foundation after he died. They they weren't they knew, they figured this out. I mean this stuff this stuff happens all the time. And again, when eighty percent of people with sleep apnea aren't being diagnosed, why would why would we assume that that the medical community is going to point the finger at sleep apnea when we haven't even diagnosed it to begin with? So I'm only telling you the ones where people have been diagnosed with it. I don't even know if Bob Saget, it's very likely Bob Saget wasn't even diagnosed with it. But in looking at Bob Saget's facial structure, it looks to me, if I had to guess, I'd say he has a decent likelihood for sleep apnea because his facial structure suggests to me that he has inadequate tongue space. And that's a major... That's a major um, risk factor for sleep apnea. Obesity is another. There's other factors. But uh, any male over 50 needs to be... Any male over 50 needs to be screened for sleep apnea, the way, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, sleep apnea is deadly. There's no, no, no way to dispute that. My uncle was 47. And he was sleeping... In his bed, and his his wife noticed he was he was he was his breathing was stopping, which is what sleep apnea is, you know. But of course, at the time, this was 1967. Nobody was really knew anything about this or treating this, right? And she noticed that you know he was a heavy snore, stopped breathing, and he, cho- he had this choking. That's what sleep apnea is. You're you're being you're being suffocated. So you get to the point where you're carbon dioxide levels go so high in your body that you, you get this reaction to wake up. You know, you, you're trying to keep yourself alive. So she noticed him choking, and simultaneously he had a heart attack, and he died. He died during this choking, violent choking heart attack episode at 47. 47. A friend of mine's brother, same thing happened to him. He was 32 years old, wasn't obese. I've always thought, oh, the obese person. Of course, the obese person runs a much higher risk than most. I mean, it's one of the risk factors. that, that It seems to be the only one that the medical community is alert to. But this goes on all the time. Tim Russert, NBC Anchorman, back, I think he's been dead now for over 20 years, I think. But in in looking at his face, as somebody who's you know kind of pretty familiar with facial structures and and which ones look more likely to have TMJ and sleep sleep apnea issues, Tim Russert's face is just was always. He's a major major anchor guy for for NBC. I think he did Meet the Press for years. His face always suggested. No tongue space, no inadequate airway, no room in there. The jaws were back. He had his bite was very compressed. He didn't have room, and when you don't have room in there for your tongue, you're gonna you're gonna really be pushing the envelope for sleep apnea. He died in his sleep, and James Gandolfini died in his sleep, and they they did make a connection. They, they actually said, "Well, I have sleep apnea." We think, you know, we think, okay, again, no one's there to. I mean, it's hard to, it, it's, there isn't like a, you know, a virus you check for that says sleep apnea. There isn't, you know, it's not like a stab wound or something where you can say, yeah, the knife went in here. Sleep apnea, you know, and also nobody's there. I mean, except in the cases of, of like, my my uh, uncle, no one's really there to, to tell the story of how that, uh, how things, you know, went, but... Imagine how many people are snoring out there, how many males especially. This affects men and women, but much more men than women. Imagine how many, if you, if you took all the women in the world and, and asked them to raise their hand if, if their husband snores loudly. I mean, imagine how many, and they're over 50, let's say they're 65, let's use Bob Saget's threshold. How many of them snore loudly? Oh my gosh, you're gonna have so many hands go up if you're snoring, you have obstructed breathing, period. You have a you have a form of sleep disorder breathing. There's obstruction going on. That's what that's what the sound of snoring is. It's the partial blockage of the airway. The movement of tissue. So there's so many stories like this. There's so many people who died oh now he just died. Yeah, he just died. Yeah. We don't know. He just died at sixty five, he died at fifty four, he died at uh, you know, 74 or whatever. And they just write it off to unexplained or, nat- yeah, I love this one, natural causes. Well, there's nothing natural about sleep apnea. I mean, that's that, that, we want to get that one out right off the bat. You know, indigenous cultures, ones that truly lived in their indigenous environment, which there aren't many of those now, in South America and some places there are but they don't have sleep apnea they don't have TMJ and certainly indigenous cultures you know hundreds of years ago they didn't have these things these are these are western problems that come about as a result of of an industrialized society and practicing the things that kind of interrupt interrupt the primal blueprint. I've talked about that before, but so I'm just posturing that out. I I, I wouldn't want to like, you know, upset the family, the Bob Saget's family, and say that you know here I come, pulling up with the diagnosis. But I think, for the sake of enlightenment, for and and just public information, that this this should be, for the sake of saving lives, this should be, you know, when these things happen, it's an opportunity. To, uh, for the public to to wake up, for the certainly for the medical community, but I don't think anything's going to happen there because these things have been going on for so long that and the, and the lights not going on there. But um, I mean, it's a, it's a real opportunity. So I would, you know, in my mind, until I hear something else, and I don't think we will hear anything else necessarily. I'm going to be very suspicious of that as being cause of death. Um, and I hope that men especially now you can have sleep apnea and be five foot two inch ninety-five year old female. Absolutely. You can. So don't be don't be uh feel like you're in the clear just because you're not a male over fifty or you're not obese, for sure it can it can affect all types of different people. Usually though if you have a retruded lower jaw and you have inadequate tongue space and narrow upper arch, these things are, are definitely more high risk. But um, I just hope that people are proactive with this. Because to find out if you have sleep apnea and to treat it, it there's no, no, you don't have to do, there's nothing invasive that goes on here. You, you simply get screened. There's a screening process. It's basically asking questions, asking a few questions on a piece of paper. If you score high enough on that questionnaire, then you will be told that it's highly advisable to have a home sleep test. A home sleep test. It's like, it can't be much easier than that. It's not expensive. It's done at your home. And then you you find out if in fact you have sleep apnea, which is a very good amount of information to have. And, and, and I will say this, to throw in a personal story. I was at a sleep conference in Dallas three months ago. And one of the vendors had a new home sleep test there, a disposable one. So you didn't have to mail it back. He said, hey, try this. And I go, well, you know, I guess I can try it. Might as well just be able to tell patients what it's like. Because I, you know, even though I've treated sleep apnea, I didn't think about myself. I mean, I, I didn't think I had any sleep apnea. Took the test. Took the sleep test, took it home, was able to go. Wow, this is super easy. Oh, I, I, this didn't in any way affect my sleep. I came up with moderate sleep apnea. That's what my sleep results uh, came back as. Moderate. My I was completely floored by that. I I had I just couldn't even believe it. And I'm not obese. I don't have I don't have. Uh, I don't have limited tongue space. I have my jaws pretty pretty forward. And I came back with moderate sleep apnea. Now I now I wear a sleep appliance. Now my, my wife said I snored. I don't snore anymore. But I'm gonna get retested with the appliance in another couple of weeks. But it just shows how this disease can go undetected. Here I am as somebody that's practices sleep dentistry and I didn't even like look in the mirror on this. I mean, it's, it's so insidious and I just hope people really prophylactically get sleep tests. Really, if everybody had a sleep test, I mean, everybody that could afford it, it's only a couple hundred dollars and insurance pays for part of this. Um, it's, it's life-saving in many cases. It was. It would have been with so many of those people I mentioned. So, I just hope it's, this kind of alerts people to the to the fact that there really, it there aren't many things that are more important to your health than there, there is nothing than being able to have a clear, unobstructed airway. And anything that interferes with that should be dealt with. Especially given the fact that not only does it affect your quality of life, your alertness, your cognitive ability, your your mental acuity, your energy level, it's predisposed to you to all kinds of other things like diabetes, uh, erectile dysfunction, all kinds of things. But it, it, it really, you know, people don't live as long when you have sleep apnea. So that's the extent of it. Anyhow, I hope it's good food for thought. I thank you for listening, and have a good day. Dr. Bob Perkins, TMJ, and more. Thank you.